What's going on, people? And welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined, as always, by Charlie Bud. And today, we're, <laughs> we're throwing it back, talking about the 2017 film Blade Runner 2049, the follow-up to the original sci-fi cult classic that took the world by storm in 1982. Bud, I know in part we chose this film to discuss today because of your dinner guest from last week, Blade Runner 2049 director Denis Villeneuve, but we've never really been able to dish because until last week, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> Looking forward to chatting about all the nitty-gritty details and warning, there will be spoilers ahead. But to begin, I'm just wondering how the film stacks up for you in comparison to the original. And with that, Charlie, what you got? Oh, Palmer, uh, to me, the uh, Blade Runner 2049, I think, is as good, if not better, than the original. Uh, so for me, it is definitely like... I obviously very, very much enjoyed it. I love the original Blade Runner. I almost like... Whenever I need like that kind of uh, movie in my life, I will probably watch 2049, uh, just because I think from everything from like the story to like the visual, oh excuse me, <clears throat> to the visuals are um, like oh definitely the visuals are way better. I mean it is just modern technology. It, it, it like it captures that. I also just love how it goes outside of Los Angeles and we can see more of like the world than Blade Runner is set in. It is just so beautifully shot. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, the story is compelling. It is interesting. Um, and while it is also like a slow burn, much like the uh, original, I think this also kind of keeps the your attention more, uh, I felt. Um, at least upon like your first viewing of it, I guess. Well, I'm just That's how I'm going to compare the original to uh, 2049. Um but uh, I don't know. I I would I would sometimes on depending on the day I I would say that 2049 slightly edges ahead of Blade Runner for me, uh, and I think that day is right now. I would probably say it's slightly ahead, edging ahead of uh, Blade Runner. But what did you think of it? Because I am very very curious on your thoughts, your opinions after seeing it for the first time in the in this past week. Um, and how it compares to, you know, the original Blade Runner. Okay, you. so I actually didn't even know what I was walking into. And all I saw was two hours and like 49 minutes runtime. And I said, okay, well, I guess we're, uh, we're really getting up into it this time around. So did you know much about what was it, uh, the film was about? Like who was going to be in it? Did you see any like trailers, promotions, any of that? Like, obviously, did you know Ryan Gosling was in it? Okay, I knew Ryan Gosling was in it. I knew Harrison Ford was in it. I also knew Jared Leto was in it. I did not know Ana de Armas was in it. And um, I didn't know somebody else was in it, too. Oh, I, I didn't really... I knew, but I forgot Robin Wright was in it, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that was... Uh, I mean, I love, obviously, like, the great actors in it. So they, they stacked it up well. And also, dude, Batista was in it, too, in the beginning. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was cool. But I guess the film starts out with... What is his name? KD6-3.7, who is also known as K, or later on Joe, and that's Ryan Gosling. And uh, I didn't know what the deal was, but essentially it begins with him walking in on this farmer, played by Batista, and he has his you know gun to retire him. And I said, ah, okay, like I guess this is it. I guess that's a replicant, and he's going to retire. But then Batista said something that, you know, put the I guess sent the hairs on my, my back of my neck up. It was... Uh, he said, you're killing like your own kind. And that's when I said, oh my gosh, this movie is about a replicant Blade Runner. And I was, I was in, I was in. So I, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. I realized at the end of this particular one that I felt a little bit more, and we'll get to the ending, but I felt, I felt something at the end. Not that mm -hmm. I didn't off of the first, but I found myself, I guess, relating to it a little bit more. And I think the way that they put the tension as well as kind of uh, just the, the, the villain, if you will, um, and the, that whole plot uh, and storyline, it was a little bit uh, easier for me to, not easier, but I, th I found myself engaging with that a little bit more because the stakes were super high. Not that they weren't in the first, but 
it was more along the lines of in Blade Runner, Deckard was just trying to hunt down these couple of replicants. And so the clock was ticking, but it wasn't really too bad. In this one, it was from the jump. Everybody's coming for everybody. So it, it added to the stakes for me. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So glad to hear that you really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So let's walk through the film, I guess. So we let's got, do it. Let's like, do it. Um, so we got the opening scene that we talked about and you immediately yep. kind of get hooked with uh, uh, Ryan Gosling and or wow words Ryan Gosling's a replicant <laughs> in this movie and then like it's gonna be kind of exploring this dynamic of a replicant hunting down other like I guess older models of replicants in this case uh, because the older replicants aren't supposed to be thing anymore it's you know still playing on that theme of what is what it means to kind of be human you know, like the, blade, the first Blade Runner kind of definitely explores that and I think in a very interesting direction um, Blade Runner 2049 kind of does the same thing uh, what does it mean to almost like basically what it means to have like a soul in this movie and um, also what it means to be human <clears throat> makes you question that and like are the replicants just you know like their own race essentially are they like are they just another iteration of humans that we created as like this is a kind of a question that you explore in the movie uh as we quickly learn i don't know is it quickly i don't know i'm trying to remember when it's kind of revealed that a child has been born um i know like jared leto somehow his character figures out that that's happened um it's like almost before even the viewer i think really realizes that or anyone at the nyp or the lapd figures that out um trying to remember the order of the film i've seen it like four times but i didn't watch it again in preparation for this but killing me bud three hour movie but i've seen it like yeah you're right um, I was going to say, I think I can shed a little bit of insight on that mm-hmm. for you. So following Kay's, Ryan Gosling's stop in and mm-hmm. termin- or I guess retirement of that one replicant, he is going back out to his cruiser and he sees a tree yes. and he has the scanner go up. And so what the scanner does is it scans the surrounding area underground and it finds a box. Mm-hmm. Now within the box are bones. And so they're looking through and they're doing an odd, like I guess a, a very postmortem autopsy. Mm-hmm. And they find out that the person had a cesarean section, so C-section, and they had a child. And then they see um, the, the serial number for a replicant. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude. And so they have Ryan Gosling go and investigate that. And so he goes to, I believe, the offices of Neander Wallace, who was played by Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. And so as he's exploring that, he kind of tips them off. And at first, I That's didn't right. necessarily understand, but Jared Leto's scene confirmed it, I guess, I think for... A, just to show like that he's the villain now and he has this purpose, but B, for also to confirm for the viewers that, no, this is a big deal because a replicant had a child. And I immediately thought that, okay, so now that's how Deckard's in this because it has to be Deckard and Rachel from the original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're listening to this and you don't know what a replicant is, a replicant is a humanoid robot that is meant to uh, imitate us in everyday life. And so they were used originally for slave labor and then their purposes also kind of got evolved over time. And so they've been incorporated back into society after being a number of them being retired because this new guy, Jared Leto, who plays Neander Wallace, has found a way to control them. Well, wasn't they were getting retired because they kind of rebelled in like the like back in the original Blade Runner, didn't like the old like Nexus fives or whatever because of like this like I don't know. I thought that was a part of the story, but maybe that was just the four in the original Blade Runner. They like broke free from their like asteroid mining, like killed all the people there, and then they made it back to Earth. But um, I couldn't remember if there was like they rebelled against like the whole slave labor thing, but. They rebelled, if I remember correctly. I should have watched the original Blade Runner in preference. <laughs> but they rebelled against their, I guess, the, the people in the asteroid. But it was really about that, the fact that the original replicants, or at least their model, only had four years of life. And they oh, yeah. wanted to extend that. I do remember this now, yeah. Okay. 
put, put them on that path. And the fun mm. fact is, and I know, I think I said this in like literally one of our first episodes. I watched the very first Blade Runner in November of 2019, where it's set, when it's set, which is crazy. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. That is yeah, definitely yeah. really wild. Uh, I know. Can you imagine that like 1980s and that's what they think 2019 is going to look like now? <laughs> <laughs> I always love it when films like that look into the future. Like I know Back to the Future did it and we had hoverboards and mm-hmm. shoes that would lace each other. Like they lace themselves up. So I know, you know, it's, funny. It's, 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 it's very, although some, some things have come true. Like we can talk to people on our watches now. That's pretty that is nice. definitely true, and I remember somebody had predicted like cell phones. I think another movie. I think, but I think someone predicted it. So, dude, some people are. Wrong. I'm just waiting for the flying cars. <laughs> Those are helicopters, man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was like, I don't think we should be giving commercial commercial citizens slash private citizens the ability to. Do you imagine like a, a flying car and like it just crashes into a building? <laughs> My greatest fear. My, like, what's going to stop somebody from just, yeah, rant? Like, yeah. oh, gosh, that would be so bad. So bad. Um, but anyways, back to the Blade Runner. <laughs> back to Blade Runner 20. Back to Blade Runner topic 20. Um, so, yes. So we learned that, like, the major thing that is uh, happening here is um, uh, that a replicant's been, you know, given, given birth. And this could mean... It's a big deal because from Neander Wallace or Jared Leto's point of view, this is a breakthrough in replicant technology for him. He has yet to figure out a way to essentially reproduce replicants on a scale, like that kind of level. And he that's like groundbreaking to him because he wants to find it, study it, probably, you know, examine every nook and cranny on like how that it was possible because he's been unable to do that. And on the other side the lapd side where like robin wright's character is like we can't let this get out because this is going to lead to war and she's right in a sense that this would give replicants like k and others who are maybe kind of held fed up with how they're treated in society is it is very clear that replicants in blade runner are treated like second class like citizens essentially i mean when k is walking back to his apartment after his day on the job you can see that people kind of hound him for being uh i think what did they call him like a some skin something um yeah and they, they spray painted on his door as well like uh like the derogatory term for a replicant essentially and he's just kind of unfazed by it unfazed or just like seen it so many times it's expected probably the latter because it seems like he's conditioned to not have like sympathy for like the replicants or whatever um and that definitely changes throughout the movie once he kind of learns or begins to suspect that he himself was that child and like he kind of breaks away from his uh programming as we like learn later on like um when he has like those debriefings with the lapd where they run those tests but centering back like so if 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 word got out to the replicants who are kind of sick of being treated as like second class citizens that they could like reproduce that could be a huge deal for them and be like kind of a symbol of hope for them to live a better life um so you know they're very very keen on keeping it quiet but uh, somehow jared leto kind of gets a hold of it because i guess k somewhat tips them off to it and he learns of it sends uh love or something i think love is her name yep out to kind of get more information and she just is wild (laughs) brutal bro brutal hardly brutal cold killer it's actually perfect that you led us up to that because i had this so following the path that you laid out so Kay is going and he goes up to his apartment and he's talking to somebody. And as the viewer, you have no idea who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And eventually it's shown that it's a holographic girlfriend by the name yeah. of Joy. And she's also produced by Wallace's company uh, just to interact with people. And I found that to be honestly one of the most fascinating parts of this entire movie. I'm curious what your take was on her as a character. I think that was more... Okay, so I think her character was supposed to show that Ryan Gosling has the same human needs as everyone else. 
because it was supposed to be kind of a device where he isn't like lonely, right? Like you wouldn't think a replicant, a robot in this sense, is just somebody who like would need kind of like human interaction or anything like that. Uh, but he has the joy, as as we know, on a Diamorous. Uh, and um, she is like his girlfriend, and it's like, kind of tailored to you personally because, like, you know, it feeds off whatever information that you give it, and it kind of builds a relationship around the relationship you give it. Uh, it's like symbiotic in a sense. Um, and so it's, it's very personal to him, and it's like it's his, like, best friend girlfriend something he like loves and hold on to and it sounds silly but it's like the only thing that he's able to have a connection to in this world of blade runner where he is treated as nothing more than something that people fear and that's something that like he's just a tool for a job essentially um and i think that's what it was meant to highlight but what did you think about that i was curious what your take was on the whole thing so I agree with you. I think it kind of gave Ryan Gosling's character purpose. And the longer the film goes on, you'll see him walking around the streets and whatnot. And see, he sees other models of joys or advertisements for her. And it just got me thinking, and this is a question I have for you. Do you think his joy loved him? Or do you think it was just a, a generic program that was meant to emulate love and caring, but at the same time, it basically didn't have those true feelings? I think that it was likely that it was just a program, but I don't think it mattered to Kay. I, 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 like, even if he knew that that was the case, it probably didn't matter to him because he was so desperate for that connection from, for any, from anyone. And like, you can tell that he was like, actually like, you know, quite like devastated when it does get destroyed later on by love. And, um, that was, dude, that was powerful, man. You got me a little <laughs> emotional over here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You said it didn't matter to him yeah. if she was real or not. I agree with you there. I just, I found it, it was sad to me just because, you know, he's someone who has so little already mm-hmm. and it's the one real thing in his life, more or less, is also not real. And so I was just hoping maybe if you had said that you think she was special and unique and she really did love him, that maybe it would... It just it made me feel for for Kay. Although mm-hmm. I was happy that he had, and it helped move the the plot forward because eventually uh, Joy talking to him and he reveals to her that they found this this evidence that there was a child of a replicant and a human, and she is convinced that it is him. Especially yes. mm-hmm. as he starts digging into the background, what he does is he goes and he checks some of the genetic information, and he finds that on the day in question that this child was born there was both a male and a female. And so Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know which gender it is, but they do some more digging and uh, they find this place or an orphanage slash sweatshop where a bunch (laughs) of kids are working. And it's interesting because earlier Kay had revealed to Robin Wright, the police chief, that he only had one implanted memory or one of them was this, this place where he had a wooden horse and he was chased by these kids and he was a kid. And so he hit it and they beat him up, but he didn't tell them where it was. And on it, it had a number. And that was actually the number of the birth date of this child that was born. So mm-hmm. as the viewer were thinking, okay, there's a very good chance that K is, is the one. And so yep. in, in investigating that, he's trying to understand if his memories are real or artificial. And so he's led to this woman in a lab. What did you think of that particular sequence? Because she's one of the specialists that Wallace hires to basically create memories for the replicants. And she's telling him her process. And then she looks into his mind and she tells him that the memory is real. What was going through your head when you first saw it? So when I first saw it, I was just like, Oh my God, he is like special. Like I didn't even think that it could have possibly been like a red herring or anything like that. Um, and so I was like convinced that like, oh, wow, Kay is that child. Because like at this point, we know that the dream he's having is the same date as the tree, oh, like the thing on the tree. Right. And then he goes, I think, does he go to where that memory takes place and finds the wooden thing? And then he talks to her 
or yeah, this so, uh, yeah so like at this point you have all this evidence and like you can totally see the turmoil on his face like that entire time he's walking through that orphanage like it's just like silent so beautifully shot but it's just like there's no dialogue he's just like walking through it and you kind of like get you you can see all the set pieces that they had used or, or like that he has that memory of and like he goes in he finds it like tucked away in there after all these years it's still there and like he's like obviously freaking out and at this point you're like oh my god this has to, like he has to be it like the evidence is just piling up and then he's just like is this real to her it's like is this just someone else's memory is this like an implanted memory and he goes to um this woman who creates the memories for uh neander wallace and uh she's like yeah no it's real it's a real memory and um he just goes like and like he clearly he freaks out he just like he gets up and he starts screaming like like he goes fuck fuck and like he just like kicks over the chair or something and um he like leaves and yeah, that's like a big turning point in like the film for Kay's character development. But and, Absolutely. You know. no, and I, would, I from the start of the movie, I'd been wondering why he was so special to follow him. I was like, okay, yes, he's a a replicant who is also a Blade Runner, but I was so curious as to why it was his story and kind mm-hmm. of what the intersection was. And I was like, man, like they couldn't make this more not more interesting, but. It was it was a very specific way to go and tell the story through his eyes, and then when that all happened, I said, "Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense." Were you convinced that it was him at that point in the film? Like, did I, you have any suspicion that it might have not have been him? What were your thoughts me, at that moment? Part of me still held out belief that it wasn't necessarily him because it fit a little too easily together. Even though, even in the course of a three-hour film, I said, "Man, they kind of got to that a little quick." But um, at the same time, there was part of me that wanted to believe it because it would be super cool. And just, I also love the fact that replicants are so efficient. So you'll see a couple times K gets into fights and he just tears people apart because he's literally a robot, like a human killing machine out here. Mm-hmm. So it's, I was like, "Oh, that'd be cool to have a protagonist who was also a robot." But as that happens. And then he tells Joy, and she says, look, I, I told you you're always special. And so it's funny to see the contrast in, in their emotions because she's super happy, super excited. And she's saying this is supporting her belief when he's like, "I do you know what this means? Essentially, I have to I have to go. And so while all this is going on, it's his job to find and kill this child and destroy all the evidence as is directed to him by Robin Wright. So he's also supposed to be finding this. And so you can see the unraveling that is undergoing within him. Because, as you said before, he's going through these diagnostic tests to see how close he is to his baseline. And he's slowly getting further and further away as he's becoming more and more unhinged and believing more and more that he is this this child. So mm-hmm. I loved that because you knew eventually there was just going to come a moment where he had to pick up and get out of there. And so it does eventually come. He puts Joy onto this little remote device. And so if that is destroyed, then she is in essence killed and all the memories and things that they shared would be destroyed. And so what Kay does is he sets out. And by this time, he's going by by the name Joe because that's what Joy wanted to give him a name because he was a real person, not just mm-hmm. a replicant. And so he sets off for uh, more evidence and he's pointed in the direction of Las Vegas. And he finds one Mr. Deckard. How did you feel about seeing (laughs) this man, Harrison Ford, step on the screen for the first time when you watch this movie? I, um, I mean, I knew he was going to be in the film. Like I had, uh, so I knew what to expect. I wasn't expecting him to be in it like the last third of the film. Um, but he is. And, um, so he, and wait, when does he tell Robin Wright's character that he killed the the child that he found and killed him? So I believe that it happens after he goes and talks about the memory. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's like, afraid. he's afraid at this point and he yep. like tells and then like, I, I did it. I killed her or killed them, the child or whatever. You don't have to worry about it, but he's still looking for his answers on his own because he's like, I'm confused. But I also 
can't remember if uh, no, because he goes to Las Vegas after he finds out that he's actually not the kid. He doesn't. I, he's, I swear he, he does. Still thinks he still thinks he's the kid when okay. he goes to Las Vegas. Because I was wondering why he didn't reveal his identity to Deckard. Yeah, um, but Deckard would know who the kid is. Yep. Um, yep. So, but yeah. Um, okay, I thought that happened before he went out to Vegas and was just still just trying to find uh, her, but uh, find the the child. Um, which also good for Kay for uh, figuring it out on his own at the very end. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he goes out to Vegas and he's just looking for answers. Like he just needs answers. He wants to know more about like Deckard, I guess. And he wants to know kind of more about Rachel. And I'm sure he's just curious, like how this even happened. And um, in, in the meantime, while he's there seeing Deckard, you know, finds them somehow, because I guess he uses like uh, heat signatures and realizes that he's like hiding out in this hotel baked in radiation. God knows how Deckard even got there in the first place, but uh, I guess it's fine if, you know, um, Jared Leto's people eventually get there as well. So I guess humans can go there. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, um, there might not have been humans, though, because love yeah. went and he could have just had a couple of other replicants with her. That's possible. Knowing like Wallace probably was a bunch of replicants, honestly. Like he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy to use like humans. But I don't know because there are like because love is a replicant, obviously. And I just never we never really knew. But they also like the guy showing K through the archives towards the beginning of the movie sounded like he was a human. The the way he described like the blackouts and stuff like that, like during the twenties or something. Um, and his parents too mm-hmm, he talked about yeah. his family. So either really good memories or just <laughs> uh, was uh, was a human. Anyways, um, so you know we he goes there. They kind of have like a little like shootout, I guess, between Deckard and uh, K, um, because. I guess he's like at this remember. point in time he didn't he didn't know who K was. Yeah. He, I think he kind of assumed he was a blade runner but he thought he was there to kill him. Mm-hmm. So Deckard was more or less just defending himself. Oh yeah, Deckard was a paranoid person. Like he's obviously oh, out in hiding um cuz he didn't kill Rachel, who knows, like probably very very paranoid about people hunting him down. And he thought Kay finally found him and was there to kill him. Didn't know what was going on. He had traps everywhere. Kay sprung them and then you know, shooting shootout and occurs. And then they eventually just were like, let's just talk it out. <laughs> and it's then that he reveals to Kay in part why he went into hiding was because if anybody ever found him, they could, he didn't have a lot of information on his child, but they could try and piece it together and that mm-hmm. could possibly put his kid at risk. So he said better for them to, for me to be a mystery and not in their life, then be there and put them in grave danger. So that's why yeah. he ended up leaving Rachel. He changed. He said he revealed then that he changed up a lot of the the documents that corresponded to the birth of his child. Mm-hmm. And it's then too that I no, he actually doesn't reveal uh, the the sex of the child, but he just says all of that. And so it's important to note before Kay had gone there. This is kind of a weird scene that I definitely wanted to talk to you a little bit more about. Joy had essentially hired a replicant prostitute oh, because yeah. Joy is a, holog- a hologram. Mm-hmm. She is not tangible. And so she like put herself over top of this girl to, I guess, simulate a real person. And uh, she and Kay engaged in passionate lawmaking. <laughs> and so before she leaves, this prostitute who had actually met Kay earlier in the film, she put a tracker on him. Mm-hmm. So following his shootout with Kay, Deckard and he are just powwowing. And eventually uh, Love and the, the bad replicant sent by Wallace find them. They knock out Kay and then they take uh, Deckard in order to interrogate him and get more information about this child. And it's during that time that Mariette, this prostitute uh, replicant, and the other replicants in the replicant uprising alliance oh, yeah. come and they find Kay and they take him. And that's when he ultimately discovers 
that the sex of the child of Deckard and Rachel is a female. Yes. How did you feel when it was confirmed that it was not him? As I was just like, wow, it's a twist. I just wasn't thinking about like the that it couldn't have been him. It just seemed at this point like so the movie was basically structured in a way where like he kind of figures out the mystery kind of quickly. And then I thought the movie was going to go from that to him trying to kind of escape like, you know, everyone that's kind of coming after him, looking for him. And he, he would run into Deckard because he needs to like talk to him. I would have a million questions if I found out where Deckard was and I knew that, I you know, could be the potential uh, father because who knows, maybe Deckard is like kind of like a living legend within the uh, LAPD probably knew about Deckard's history and everything like that and kind of what happened there. Um, and he might not have known that that was necessarily Rachel, like uh, who was buried there, but um, he's probably still was seeking Deckard for a couple of things. Um, and so he goes out there. And like I thought that's what that movie I thought the movie was gonna be that. Like he was just trying to escape it all and that like, you know, when Wallace came in and grabbed Deckard, they didn't think it was gonna be Kay because they have no reason to believe that Kay is the child. So like they like um I wasn't expecting that twist though. I really wasn't. Uh and that was definitely a big twist for me. And I'm like, whoa, I who is it then? Who is it? And even then I didn't know. So what did you think about that twist? And did your mind mind start racing as to like, well, who could it be? Is it someone we met or or not? And uh Dude, when the twist happened, I was so reminded of you've seen the Dark Knight Rises, right, bud? Yeah. All right, people, if you haven't, this is a little spoiler, so hop off um, for two seconds. But essentially, in The Dark Knight Rises, there's a sequence in which there's a child trying to escape from this prison, which is a hole in the ground, and they have to make this crazy jump. And so you're seeing it in the whole movie. You're told that this is the son of this really bad guy, only to find out that it's the daughter. And I told myself when I saw that movie for the first time, I would never assume the gender of the person I'm seeing, especially if it's a kid, because you never know. And I, gosh darn it, they suckered me into it. And I totally believed it was a son. And the second they said a daughter, I I almost knew instantaneously because I said the fact that he had a real memory and that she was able to tell and had the reaction that she did made me know that it was Dr. Uh, What is Anna Staline, who was the one who looked at his memories beforehand. Okay. So yeah. the reason I didn't suspect her immediately is because that she was the one who creates all the memories. So I just figured she would know her work well enough where she's like, no, I never made this. And so therefore it is real. But it's interesting that you immediately thought of her. So good, good little I, snoop in there. No, thank you. I, just, it, I also assumed just because of the, I knew it was a long run time, but I was like for them to try and develop a whole new character. I figured it had just, to be a character we knew. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. know who it would be. Um, and they said that he, she would be tucked away so that nobody would find her. And mm. that's very much the case. Dr. Staline was literally in this isolated bubble because they said her immune system mm-hmm. was not able to. Very curious. Uh, I just didn't her. put it together when I was watching it. Cause it makes sense when you put like all those factors in like mm-hmm. the whole like immune system seems to be compromised. Um, she did have like a false story about her parents, though. I think when she was talking to Kay, I'm trying to remember. I guess that is true. Yeah, because she said they they went away, mm-hmm. and she never technically met her father. So, oh, did she say yeah. that? Maybe I can remember that. I think he said that he never met her. He had to basically leave from. Mm-hmm. I just job. can't remember if she like completely made up like the story about her father to kind of protect her real identity. I don't know if she knows. Do you think she did? Um, yeah, I think she did because she clearly planted that memory in Kay's head to throw off her trail. Hmm, interesting. Because the leader of the replicant like freedom movement, who is the one who Kay actually talks to after he's brought in by that by mm-hmm. Mariette, the replicant prostitute. So bad, she keeps saying the replicant prostitute, mm-hmm. replicant prostitute. But um, yeah, no. So when she, she talks to him, she's kind of the leader, and she says that she had put the child away. And in essence, to continue to protect the child because that's their their key to hope and the key to the future. 
that Kay has to then kill Deckard to tie up all the loose ends and continue to protect that child. So when he got the order for the hit, what was going through your head? I was like, well, this is a double twist. Um, I wasn't expecting that they had to like kill Deckard. And I was just like, I don't, I didn't think that Kay was going to do it uh, at all. Like I figured he like wouldn't kill Deckard, even though like the, like these replicants want him to just to kind of further protect, like Kay knows that he has no information about the daughter. Like, and also didn't Deckard say though, that like he taught them how to cover their tracks. I think beforehand, because the leader of the Alliance and Rachel Mm -hmm. were together with him, and I think he was teaching them, and then he had to go and kind of do some things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to to give them also a head start as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's where I thought, like, maybe that's why I assumed she knew. But I also still think she definitely, like, knew. I think Rachel probably, or someone told her. uh, Yeah, because I guess she didn't even meet Rachel either, because Rachel died during childbirth, right? Yeah, I guess she did. Yeah, yeah. So Never knew her parents. Liar. <laughs> she just lied about that memory, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why I was like, yeah. But didn't she just like make up something about her parents to like extra cover her tracks because she couldn't like she knows who she is, planted memories and other replicants to throw off the idea that. Well, which is another interesting thing is why she would admit it to Kay. That that was a real memory and not just say like um probably because she wanted him to take the fall. Mm. So you think that almost she could be a villain in this sense? Well, I don't necessarily think that she's going to be villainous here. It's that she is desperately trying to protect herself and the other like replicants that have are also out there protecting her, knowing that she carries the kind of like this burden of being like the future and the symbol of hope for the replicants. And um, so I don't think she's like doing this out of malicious intent. I think like, cause you can see that she's like tearing up when she tells Kay this. And I don't necessarily think that's for the memory that she's reliving. I think that's because she's like, I have to betray him because, you know, he's on to me. He's looking for me. And I have to tell him that that is real because he's clearly, I put it in his head and he's got this investigation. She put it together quickly. She's smart. And she's like, I need to just throw him off. I need to tell him that that's real. And so he's going to start suspecting himself. Wow. I didn't think that, honestly, I didn't think that she, she knew necessarily, I guess now you, you, put some solid reasons down so I'm, I'm believing a little bit more but I thought the, um, the emotion that she showed following that and I was trying to figure out if when she was watching the, the memory if she was physically watching the memory or if she was just looking at maybe some scanner that would have him believe it was authentic but I thought she was more or less watching the memory and reliving it herself mm-hmm. and just seeing kind of her her past there yeah I I, I mean like yeah she probably but like I think she like lives with that. She probably thinks about that memory often, you know, like I think just seeing that and like the tearing up, maybe she was sentimental, but I also have this theory that like she's crying because she knows what she's like about to do is like essentially frame an innocent person for a crime, if you want to call it that, that he didn't commit. So, um, all in order to protect herself and other replicants and to be, continue to be that symbol of hope. So. Wow. And now that I think about it, I mean, if she is in the memory, then she knows that her immune system isn't compromised. So, yeah. So she did know. Okay. So your theory holds up, dude. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's, yeah. And then all of that also, all of that's now in the background as we continue forward and K on a mission. Knowing he's no longer the the one Mm -hmm. goes and hunts down for love, who is actually transporting Deckard. It's interesting. The sequence between Deckard, Love, and Wallace was, I I liked it a lot because 
Wallace was asking for information on the child, and they're in this isolated, like, his office, which is this super isolated, big kind of place, but it's just the three of them. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Deckard refuses, they bring out a replicant who is identical to Rachel, Deckard's wife slash the mother of his child. And in an amazing act of strength, he turns away and says, I'm not going to give you the information for this replicant. Yeah. And he says her eyes, well, he doesn't say that, but he more or less says, and then he says her eyes were green. And mm-hmm. the second he turns away, love basically shoots Rachel in the head. Yep. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, how would, okay, I'm just like, I know. How would you have reacted if you were in Deckard's position? I'm just curious. I just think I would have been in shock. Like, just like that that's a lot to kind of undergo in the course of like a couple of minutes to like see Rachel for the first time in God knows how many years, exactly as you remember her, and then well almost eye color. But uh and then to have her just completely executed, like that's gotta be a lot of emotional roller coaster that I couldn't even like fathom. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I just shock i think i dude i don't know i i agree with you about the emotional roller coaster i would be traumatized and i don't know if i'd be able to in the moment get myself together enough to go after uh wallace but there would be a reckoning for that i'm gonna tell you that <laughs> i know gotta hand it to decker though he really like kept his composure like her eyes were green like almost kind of like in that spiteful tone, like you just didn't do it right. Like you're not, you're not good enough at whatever. And it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, yeah, dude, that was uh, what a sequence. And so with that, Wallace promises to get the information out of Deckard by transporting him to, I guess, an isolated planet where they're gonna just torture him until he he reveals what he knows. And so it's while he's being transported there that. K intercepts. He takes out two uh, following ships that were trailing the ship with Deckard, which let's all just appreciate the fact that he didn't accidentally shoot Deckard down while he yeah. was like they were in like a, a formation that would allow him to know which one had uh, Deckard on it. But he shoots them down. He manages to shoot down Deckard without killing him or anybody well, except for the pilot. And so it's just love versus K as this water is swelling up because they But doesn't he busy. like get out and shoot both the pilots? There's like two guys yes. in the, yeah, so he doesn't like well, shoot them. With she, the, I think there was one pilot for Deckard's uh ship. I thought there was two and like K comes up with his gun and shoots both of them. At the end of the day, I know the pilots were not a factor, so they weren't killed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. There might have been. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they're dead. That's all that matters. Kay just kills them, and then he and Love have a a fight out in an absolutely beautiful setting, I have to say. Dude. I loved the whole sequence of, like, the waves crashing down on, like, the car and, like, the water just everywhere and, like, the whole, like, kind of bout that they have. It's just – it's, like – it was majestic. Yeah. What did you think of that? I just I don't know. What did you think of that whole? No, sequence? dude. I thought that was epic, and I loved the fact that so they crash. I guess it's by a dam or some kind of body of water and a giant wall, and so while they're fighting, this water is slowly rising, and so Deckard's chained to his chair more or less, and he's just trying to make sure he can keep breathing, and so this is this uneasy kind of uh, slow burn. As you're seeing Decker drown, but you know K wants to save him, and then Kay's getting his butt kicked by love, and it's it's dark, but there's these lights that kind of come through and just catch the the reflection of the water on their faces and everything, and it's you don't know who's gonna win because nobody has a clear advantage, and love says she's the you know I'm the best one there is yeah. about I guess her being a replicant, and mm-hmm. I, and then she more or less stabs the f out of K, mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, this is over. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the water was basically, the ship was basically completely submerged. Deckard was on his last legs. And then, like freaking Jaws, this man Kay swims up and grabs Love. What did you think about that that, that whole little him holding her under the water? You had Deckard trying to hold his breath. And then Kay is also just trying to, to win, hold his breath. And then he's going to, you know, he's going to have to try and save Deckard. What did you think of that? I just was like, 
it was like a last ditch effort. I don't know. I, I, I didn't, it all happened so quickly. I think it was just like, damn, Kay's just like brutal out here. Like he's really showing like his brutality, like throughout the movie, we didn't really see that kind of like side of him other than like the very beginning. And then he starts to question like, cause he's just kind of like following orders at that point. He's just a replicant cop who has to go and retire other uh, old uh, replicant models. And uh, he, um, as he starts questioning his humanity, you don't really see that like brutal side to him, except for maybe the dude at the orphanage, uh, like where he just kind of gives him a little like, you know what? You're going to show me exactly what I want to find. Um, but this was like the first time where he's just like combat abilities, full display, takes out the pilots, then, you know, takes on love who also is a cold, like a cold hearted, you know, killer as well, who, karate chop some guy's head and snap their neck and stuff like um that was crazy yeah i just thought it just showed like that side of him that like we kind of forgot about uh like this is like what he was built to do and then he like takes her out but at the same time his humanity is still there as he saves deckard as like even though he was like ordered to kill deckard by the other replicants he takes deckard off to uh see his daughter because he figured it out I loved that scene for another reason because the whole time, like you said, we saw little flashes of the mm-hmm. brutality of Kay, but he's so soft spoken too. He never like has yeah. a lot to say. Mm-hmm. You don't see his, his emotions. They more or less, he's just level headed, very straight faced. And then he doesn't, that doesn't change, but he's just heartless killing everybody out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, this is a bad man right here. So that was, <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. Well, I guess I forgot that one time when he was like going out to the orphanage and his car gets shot down and he like literally guns down like seven people like coming up to him. <laughs> I forgot about that too. And then crazy enough, Wallace had love following him so they could try and find the child through, through him. Mm-hmm. And she just proceeds to use a drone to kill like 10 people. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that she like called in like freaking lunar strikes on to save him, basically. Dude. She's like, get up and you do your fucking job. Yes. And she was just getting her nails done, literally yep. just like ordering the the thing to just start shoot. She's like, shoot left, mm-hmm. shoot, shoot. Oh heartless, heartless. Yeah, I forgot all about that scene. Oh um, man. What a funny. wild time. But Yeah. Do you think Kay dies at the end? gonna ask you that same question honestly i think i think he did i think he was mortally wounded by love during their fight and it's interesting because the leader of the replicant army said it's 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 something of note to basically die for something and Mm. so uh i think that was said to help solidify the understanding for the viewers that yes he did die although i was curious because originally in blade the first blade runner the replicants had a set lifespan, but I couldn't tell if that had changed for this and they were all more or less immortal. Uh, it seemed that the newer models didn't have that constraint. It seemed okay. that like they kind of just lived for as long as they could. I don't know. Couldn't really tell. Um, however, I guess like the whole reproduction thing was probably a hope that they could probably live for a while, you know, mm-hmm. that their race could yeah. like live on past the, or, it, you know, whatever life that they were programmed to have. Um, but it, yeah, I also kind of thought that Kate dies at the end because, you know, other than having one of the memories of like, uh, of the child, he wasn't anyone like special. He was just kind of like a hero that was just there along for the ride. He kind of was just roped into it. And like just so happenstance, it was like happenstance that he happened, like to have that memory, um, which you could argue would make him like unique in in that sense. But like he served his purpose by the end of the movie, like he didn't have a reason to go on. He re- he found uh, the child, and he he found Decker and reunited them, and he didn't want to partake in that like the replicant uprising and like part of their agenda was to kill Deckard. He just saw them. He's like, you never got to meet her. So here you go. And it's up to you what you do next kind of thing. 
So I hope you he told, escape. He told he told Deckard like you're essentially dead now. Like all that's what all this evidence or every the crash and everything would mm-hmm. will suggest that you're, oh, yeah. you're alive. So you're free. And stylistically, this is going to sound a little a little weird, but I think I would have preferred the final shot to be of K dying, and I didn't necessarily need to see Deckard actually inside with his daughter. Yeah, I think that would have been a little bit more impactful as well. But I guess they thought that the bigger impact would be like Deckard reuniting with his daughter for the first time. Mm. Um, so, so I can understand why they chose to do that, but I think that would have been kind of almost implied. Like, we didn't necessarily need to see that, but I understand why they did that. Definitely, definitely. Dang, dude. So, yeah, that was the... That was the flick. I am curious to hear what you thought about the premise of a replicant hunting other replicants, knowing it was a replicant. I just thought it was a like a sign of I guess like the times, I guess. Like you know, in the past they had we assume humans, you know, there's definitely the whole debate is was Deckard a replicant or not. Um. Oh, you haven't heard these debates if Deckard's a replicant? I'm sorry, what? No. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of, like, there's a lot of discourse on that. Dude, people have written dissertations on this topic, on whether or not he's a, is a, a replicant. But he aged. <laughs> <laughs> so did, uh, so did his child. Is she a replicant? Dude, I was trying to figure out the I'm sorry, the logistics of a child that's half human, half cyborg. I'm sorry, I'm not a bio major. I don't really know all the science, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't think you can just be making making people out of robots and people. I don't think that's well. How that what works. are what are replicants? Are they hardwire? Are are they like organic matter? Or you know, like. Mm. Hmm. Will be interesting is if they, I guess, they grafted human DNA, created the outline, allowed somehow enabled it to basically go around this robot, and then, ah, dude, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, I, science ain't my thing. Science ain't my thing. But <laughs> what an innovation in in the science field. No wonder Wallace was so bent on finding this child. Yes, very, very Good. bent on finding it. Um, he wanted to reverse engineer how it all worked, obviously. Uh, and probably wanted to examine what it meant to be a human and a replicant, or at least if we go with a theory that Deckard is not a replicant. But, like, I don't know. I just thought that replicants doing the work of, like, humans was just kind of like the way that future just, and it also fit very fittingly into kind of like the technology, the technological, like, commentary that uh, Blade Runner tries to convey of, like, you know, I think really good science fiction always um, will examine a future technology and how that would change like humanity and like how humanity is impacted with this technology. And uh, I think the replicants are that obviously is that technology that kind of examine humanity and like how humans treat like a tool essentially. The way they treated them was like, well, like you're basically just second class citizens where we treat you like shit and you do all of our dirty work for us and so i thought it was very fitting that they would send replicants to kill other replicants just because humanity is like cruel in its nature and like in that way it is cruel when you think about it because i mean it's very from the offset batista's like doesn't like like you're killing your own kind like you've never seen a miracle and all that like stuff isn't that interesting how we as humans will try to, I guess, make things in our image or try to personify things? So, like, I have little, like, a Roomba, and I have a name for my Roomba, but I know people will put eyes on their, like, cleaners, and they'll do other things, like, give things names and whatnot. And it's so fat, like, it's so interesting that that, in, in essence, is what Blade Runner is, but it's on a more, on a grander scale, and it's more exaggerated. But I guess that's... That's kind of what the the point is, and so then it's 
does that mean that that object is less of a person now that you're you're in essence trying to make it one Mm -hmm. but you're also trying to use it for what it's meant for yeah oh man dude this i swear this 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 film this this franchise just gets me thinking about things (laughs) no no it's it has all these like deep questions to think about and that's what good sci-fi should be doing yes like it should be thinking about like how humanity would be impacted by certain technologies i mean the way that like you know i mean star wars doesn't do this which is why it's not good science fiction but dune does it dune does but dune goes in a very different direction with the sense that it examines how humans would advance without technology and how the world would look like that way um and the evolution of the human mind, I think, is what Dune very much looks at. Um, so, and yes, that's what yes. good sci-fi does. It takes a concept, and it says, and asks the question: What would humans look like with this technology? What would the world mm. look like? What would the universe look like? So, definitely, what would be our our new north star? Yeah, from, uh, in a metaphorical sense. But I was going to ask also, so we've talked a lot about Wallace and uh, I mean, just thinking about Blade Runner number one, in terms of villains, how did Wallace and Love stack up for you in comparison to Tyrell, the original maker of the replicants and Roy Batty, who was the replicant who kind of breaks bad? Um, Well, that's tough because I think Roy Batty's character, uh, like at the very end, he like delivers that beautiful like you know uh, like soliloquy monologue um and his character is really great and like but it also kind of has like different like motives i guess like roy Beatty and like the other replicants they 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 wanted to live life they wanted to just be human right like that's what they were looking for and it was almost like a tragic tale that the way that it all kind of ended uh whereas like wallace and love their goal was to kind of further this like reliance on replicants they were looking at it as not as like oh this is a good thing for the replicants they're like this is a good thing for us it was like hyper capitalism essentially like this is like great for our profits imagine what we could do with this technology and all that stuff so i don't know i think part of me i think i'd like the tone of i don't know it's it's tough it's tough for me to pick which one i like over the other but um i think i would probably say roy and his crew I, i think especially like roy um over uh wallace and love but what what about you where, where are you at i would agree i mean when you think about what wallace and love were doing that was as you said very well um just the notion that we can get more resources or make more money we can continue to expand out across the stars and he was focusing on it from just that i don't even want to i don't want to use like a billionaire's name but uh <laughs> From the perspective of how do I, you know, advance society and I'm the one doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at Roy's, it was such a, a simple ask. It was, you made me this thing that is supposed to, you know, have all of this involved with the experience. And yet you cut my experience. And I'll never forget what Tyrell tells him is the candle that burns twice as bright burns twice as fast, which is his reason as to why the early replicants only lived for, I think it was four years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, I just, I want more time. And then as you said, the soliloquy, uh, it just talks about life and you know, what is, what is it? Is it just going to be lost like tears in the rain? And it really makes you question, I mean, your own existence as a human, because there will come a time when you're not around anymore. And what was it all for? So I love the introspection that's required in understanding Roy's character. And it also makes him, less of a villain and more of just kind of a, a tragic figure. And so I think for that reason, I want to give him kind of the, the higher position when it comes to villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, well, well said. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm also uh, just in thinking about, say, his, his relationship with 
with Deckard and he, you know, tells Deckard you have all this. Basically, you, you're going to be able to live like a nice life. And he ends up, and, oh, I don't want to spoil Blade Runner 1 if you haven't seen it, but Roy helps Deckard in the, in the end in a specific kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so then Deckard now is able to live this life. And so he finds somebody to love, has a kid. And he has to more or less go into hiding from there. And he's in hiding for the rest of his life. And I'm just wondering, you know, your thoughts. Did you like the fact that he had to do that? Or did you think that there might they could have maybe found a way around that? What were your Like the ending there? for the twenty forty nine, how he has to do like Just like the fact that for in, in the time between Blade Runner and twenty forty nine, he was basically gone for thirty years. Like did you did you think that there was a way he could have still been in the kid's life? Do you think he did the right thing? No, I mean, I think it's really hard to say because clearly the world l- lost its shit when Wallace immediately found out. Like he, he, it went wild, and like when Robin Wright's character found out, like he's like, "This can't get out." This is like so massive, and I think from Decker's point of view, and it's probably a very tough decision. And I don't know if I have necessarily the answer. Because it's easy to say, like, oh, I would find a way. I would find a way. But, like, the the climate of Blade Runner is so, like, it's so dystopian in a way. Like, these, Wallace has so much power. Like, those corporations have a tremendous amount of power in the, the this universe. Like, these are people who probably supply the replicants and have trillions of trillions of dollars in wealth. Um, because replicants are probably used for everything. You can control like every major source of industry, literally using slave labor. Like it's just so absurd. Um, so to me, Deckard, I think in a way kind of makes the right choice because he knows the gravity of the situation and that he just simply couldn't risk, you know, uh, seeing his daughter um uh because that would expose so much not only for him but also for her and like the realization for like oh my god they there is a uh a child that was the spawn of a replicant so what do you think do you think he made the right decision I think it's an unfortunate decision, but I think he did make the right decision. It's ah, it's so sad knowing that the thing that you care about the most or you most want to protect is something you can't even see or be around because that would basically be the greatest danger you could possibly contribute mm-hmm. to its existence. And so I respect the fact that not only did he come himself, he went to an area that was you question how he survived all those years yeah. of radioactivity, but he just completely isolated himself. And when he was talking to Kay, it was basically his message was it's worth it because you know, she gets to live and mm-hmm. she's all right. But it was hard. Cause that's the one thing I did appreciate, appreciate about the moment where you actually did see him reunite or I guess meet his daughter was just, you could see on his face and credit to Harrison Ford, just the emotion of what that meant because literally he lost Rachel. He lost years and years of his life all for that. And you could tell that in his eyes, I could see it was worth it. And he was just amazed by the person he was looking at because it was kind of, it was, it was worth all of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, dude. Oh, beautiful. Got me in my, dang. Now, uh, play runner got me over here, man. Got me emotional. Ah, it's an emotional film. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, oh, man. All right. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about on uh, no, the topic? I don't know if they'll have another, so that might be it for our lifetime, at least. <laughs> I know. Such a shame. It was It was a really good movie. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, and that, both Blade Runners didn't do amazing at the, block, uh, the box office. But yes. it's just such a shame because these movies are really, really good. I do think a lot of people will probably watch Blade Runner and like, it's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, it's too slow. It's too boring. Oh, God. Like, is there no action in this movie? Why is it three hours long? Whatever. Um, but. It is. I thought it was excellent. I. It is like one of my favorite films in the last like five years for sure. 
I think Blade Runner 2049, like, you know, for most people who I know who love the first, like, pretty much everyone I know who loved the first Blade Runner loved 2049. Like, they just were like, oh, my God, it's so good. Um, everybody, and I've even seen people say, like, I think I liked it better than the first one. <laughs> so, um, and that's definitely, like, it's that good. It really is. I mean, I hope we get another Blade Runner one day, and it doesn't necessarily need to follow any continuation of these stories. I just want to visit that world again. I think it's super exciting, or we can get something similar to that. Like, you know, a good noir film, just in a really science fiction setting, make it happen somebody out there. But I think, you know, Blade Runner 2049 might also get that cult classic kind of following in a couple of years, much like the original Blade Runner did. Only time will tell, of course, but I think people will... You know, next generation will probably, you know, grow up, hear about Blade Runner movies, and then watch them and be like, damn, these movies are real good. So, it it is interesting, though, they do have Blade Runner Black Lotus, uh, which is like an animated series that comes on Adult Swim slash Toonami. So, there's that in case you have. Wait, really? Yeah. I vaguely remember this. Um, How long has that been running? Is that like out already? i think it started it yeah it's out i think it's done now i think it started in november and finished off in like february okay. and i believe there were 13 episodes i don't know if they're coming out with a, a season two but yeah reviews are very mixed on it um uh, yeah, hate to see it hate to see it <laughs> i don't know i don't know if ever you need you know just a, need a, a little fix taste, you can, little yeah, fix exactly. from some new kind of like cyberpunk kind of stuff absolutely um and it's i don't know what came first actually if it was blade runner or akira but dude one of those takes after the other big time big time like just the cityscape is... uh, blade runner comes first okay so there you go so i think that akira was then largely inspired by it. oh i'm sure it was it has to be like that movie looks so i mean i haven't seen it but it looks i've heard so many people say that it is like so influenced by blade runner i love the cyberpunk like feel of it dude oh man yeah it's a genre that is so under utilized it'd be nice if more uh movies kind of follow that aesthetic i understand that it's like expensive especially to make kind of like an indie type film that Blade runner really is at the core uh that's a, it's very expensive to do so yeah dude um, i can only hope one day and that there will be a bigger appetite for films like that and that people would want to see um I think when we get a little momentum and we get one film and then two, more people will say, oh, this is a like a kind of a genre I can get behind. And then mm-hmm. that's when the demand will be there. But it's just got to be the first, get a couple going in the pipeline, and then we'll be all right. There you go. Oh, all right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. That's been our show. We are the What You Got podcast, hosted by Charlie Budd and, as always, the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Make sure you catch our show every Monday evenings. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you drop a follow. Follow us on social media. Palmer, why don't you get them social media handles? You can follow us on Twitter at WhatYouGotCast, what you spelled W-H-A-T-C-H-A, or on Instagram at WhatYouGotPodcast, what you spelled the same way. And we do have a YouTube channel, although I'm not sure this episode will be uploaded as my camera was basically dead the whole time. Uh, but we do have episodes on our YouTube channel, so be sure to drop a subscribe on over there. It's just what you got podcast. You should be able to find it. See our classic logo there. And until next time, we will catch you all later. <laughs>